Good morning. It is good to see you this morning. There's some faces haven't seen in a while, and we're so glad to have you. And uh, just know that you are an important part of this church. All of you at home know that you are an important part of this church, and you are loved wherever you are. So over the last couple of weeks, we have had quite a few members who have experienced loss. And there's been more of us who have walked with folks during that time of loss. And for all of you who are going through times of loss, you've lost someone dear, we want you to know that we love you. But in the midst of that, I've also been struck with how much grief has been all around us in an intense way for a while now. So we know that sickness and death is just an ugly part of living in a fallen world, and yet it has been front and center for our world, especially over the last 16, 17 months. It's always been there. And when we're not talking sickness, I don't know about you, but it feels like at least once a week for months now, we've heard news stories of mass shootings and senseless deaths. And then if you've followed the news the last couple of days, we've all watched that high-rise in Miami that has collapsed and people who are waiting to learn about loved ones and trying to hold on to hope that perhaps some have still made it. But it is a rough situation, and we can sometimes live in denial of our mortality, of our finitude, but it's seasons like this that we are reminded what the book of Ecclesiastes tries to teach us over and over again, that our lives are like a mist. They're like the morning dew that are there at dawn, but they are gone before long. Or you remember that famous poem from chapter 3 in Ecclesiastes. And we're reminded that there is a different time and a different season for everything under the sun, including a time to be born and a time to die. But as Christians, we gather every week, and we gather on Sundays in particular because it is a reminder to us that we believe there is more to the story. So as Paul reminds the church in Thessalonica in 1 Thessalonians 4.13, but we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about those who have died so that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have died. Now, there's a couple of helpful things in this passage to me. And one is the simple reminder that when Jesus raises from the dead, it's not just good news for Jesus. Hey, good job on, on conquering death and escaping the tomb. 
But Scripture tells us that it is good news for us. It is good news for humanity. That death for so long had been the final destination, but now it is just a layover. That the author of life is writing a new and perfect ending. That God is bringing about a new heaven and a new earth, a new creation. And at that time, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's where we're headed. That's the grand conclusion. That's the new story in the new beginning. But in the meantime, what Paul reminds the church in Thessalonica is also important for us because he says because of this new story, we have a hope. And we don't grieve like those who do not have hope. But the implication there is also this, that does not mean we don't grieve. And it does not mean that in faith we shouldn't grieve. While we don't grieve as if we don't have hope, we are still people who grieve. In fact, what does Jesus do at the loss of His dear friend Lazarus as He is surrounded by the mourning and grief of others? He weeps. He is overwhelmed with the emotion of that moment. And so there's something I want us all to hear this morning. It is human to grieve. And in fact, it is helpful to grieve. And it is hurtful when we don't make room for ourselves or for others to grieve. So this last week, I had the privilege of going and having coffee with Steve Boyle, one of our, uh, a longtime member here, he and Marilyn, before they went to another church to be with kids and grandkids. And Marilyn passed away a few months ago, and we went to have coffee, and I think, based on our conversation, that I introduced Steve to lattes, which, which brought me a, a real sense of pride and joy. Coffee is my love language, and I feel it's my pastoral duty to, to share that with other people. And so we met up, and we both got lattes, and we sat down, and then I said, tell me about it. I like to start conversations that way. It's not directed, it's not guided, it's open. Just tell me about it. And he immediately started to tear up. And I've known Steve 30 years. And I've not known Steve to tear up a lot. He's been in the South for a long time, but the New Jersey ornery never left. It's, it's still with him. And so as he's tearing up, he starts pointing at me. And he's shaking his head. And he says, great. Now I'm pulling a Bert. <laughs> Why'd you make this about me? What's, uh, 
I mean, that's unfair. It's accurate. We all know it's accurate, but it, it feels a little unfair. And then he pulled out his phone. And he said, I, I want to show you something. As he was crying, and his daughter Jennifer, who many of you know, had sent him an image. And he said, I, wa- I want to show this to you. And once he showed it, I said, will you send that to me? Because I want to share this with our folks. Because I had planned on talking about grief even before some of the events of the last couple of weeks. And I'll talk about why in just a moment. But here's the quote that she sent him that's brought him a lot of comfort. Grief never ends, but it changes. It's a passage not a place to stay. Grief is not a sign of weakness nor a lack of faith. It is the price of love. And that is a beautiful reminder to me. When you are grieving and when the emotions are flowing, let me encourage you, you don't ever have to apologize for that. You don't have to ever be embarrassed about that or ashamed about that. Grief is not a sign that something is wrong. Grief is a reminder that something was and something is right. Because love was and is alive, even in the face of loss. And we don't want to get stuck in grief forever. And if we find ourselves stuck after a while, then we may need some help. It is a passage and not a place to stay. But grief takes time to work through. And even as we move forward in our grief, we still visit grief. Sometimes years, sometimes decades later. Or maybe a more accurate way to say that is grief sometimes still visits us. And sometimes in times we can anticipate, and sometimes in times we don't see it coming. But grief doesn't knock. It's got the key. It knows the combination. It knows how to get in when it wants to show up. And so we just welcome it in. Come on. Let's deal with it. Let's face it. I had one of those moments last week at the end of my Father's Day sermon. So I was talking about our fathers who are present and fathers who are past. And when I did, my throat caught. Just like that. It sounded just like that. I did that as an illustration. That wasn't, that was, that was totally me just showing you what it might sound like if my throat caught. And just like now, everyone's like, oh, he's walking the tightrope of tears. He's about to fall, isn't he? He's about to fall. And some people in our church now, they start placing bets. It's like, will he, won't he, will he, won't he? And there's usually a lot more on the will he than, than won't he side. And you know who you are, and I know who you are, and I think I, should, I deserve a cut of that. That's all I'm saying. Just, I'm laying it out there. When you place bets and I help you win, then uh, remember the guy who's, who's tearing up. And and, and I'm not embarrassed about that. My father passed away. It's coming on 10 years ago in January. And he passed away from, from Alzheimer's. And it was, it was rough at the end there. And when I have these moments, these are 
moments that are filled with sadness, but they're filled with sweetness. There is, there is a joy in the pain. And so most of the time, I'm not going to mention it in a sermon because I know what I'm going to do. And so there's certain times when I just, you know, you leave that to the side. I'll talk about it one-on-one and I, I won't tear up in the same way, but I'm, my emotions are already kind of running high when I'm, when I'm preaching. And it's okay. I have long since come to grips with the fact that I am the weeping preacher. And you know it, and I know it. And after the sermon, uh, Kay Benz caught me, and she was sitting near Mona Robinson last week, and they had one of those knowing looks at the end of the service that said, yeah, we had two really amazing dads, didn't we? And those of you who hadn't been around long enough to know uh, their dads, let me tell you, salt of the earth, both of them members at our church for a long time. So Bud and Katie White sat right up here with the whole clan and just fixtures for so long in this church, Kay's parents. And Mona's dad, G.W. Mahan, sat, as I recall, over in this section. And the reason I remember at least for a time he was over in this section because there was a class when I first came to this church, coming on 18 years, where it was uh, a lot of folks who either couldn't climb the stairs or preferred not to try to climb the stairs on Sunday. And so they had their class in the auditorium on Sunday morning. And James Hicks, one of our former elders, he would stand right in the middle of the pew about halfway back, and he would face the back of the room. And then the whole next pew would be filled up with uh, a whole row of widows. And then GW was the one widower in that group. Man, you have never seen someone more popular than GW on that row in that class. But if you knew GW, you would know why. Just such a sweet man. And so, as Kay shared that with me, I, I can't get inside their head, but I imagine that was some of those bittersweet memories. Because there is sadness at loss, but there is sweetness at the life and the memory of those people. And that's the way good grief becomes. Where there is still the sadness that we carry with us for a lifetime, but it starts to be enveloped in joy and gratitude and in, in anticipation of that great conclusion of God's story. In fact, that poem from Ecclesiastes 3 that I alluded to earlier. You may remember other parts of it, like this in verse 4. When there is a time for everything, there is a time to weep, and there is a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And I will tell you from my perspective, the most powerful moments in funerals and memorial services, or when I'm sitting with families who's processing their grief, are those moments where weeping and laughing are in the same room. 
where mourning and dancing is both filling the space. Because we start to realize they don't have to be opposites. And in the best forms of grief, they start to coexist and they work together. Now, here's the reason that I wanted to talk about this this morning. So we're in the middle of this series after the storm, and we've been talking about for a while that that people are slowly emerging from what we've gone through over the last 16, 17 months. And grief has, did not just start 16, 17 months ago. Please hear me say that. I know you've been through it. I've been through it. But as people are emerging, part of what I am seeing and part of what uh, health officials are recognizing is that a lot of people are coming out of places of grief. But some of them aren't really talking about that. Some are struggling to identify that, to name the grief that they've carried with them through this time and continues to go with them. And here's the thing, we know that that death is a major source of grief because of that tremendous loss. But there are a lot of other triggers of grief. There are a lot of other places of loss in this life. And people who are struggling with loss and some intense loss over the last year and a half. And they feel the weight of it and they would benefit from acknowledging it and naming it. And that may be some of you. Or that may be some folks that you know and you care about and you can see they are weighted down and you can see the burden, but it's someone you love who is struggling. So a few Sundays ago, I preached my sermon and then I immediately left the sanctuary and headed to my car. I I didn't even have time to wait until the end of the service because I had to make it to the airport to get on a plane to head to a wedding in tropical, beautiful Lubbock, Texas. Lush Lubbock. That's what no one has ever called it. And so I made it to Lubbock and I made it to the wedding and I got an Uber driver And I had a really interesting conversation. In the brief drive from my hotel to the airport the next day to come back, here was the story my Uber driver told me. Within the last two years, she got a divorce, lost her marriage. And then she moved to Lubbock, which to me is a tremendous loss in and of itself. And then she lost her job as a manager in a hotel, a well-paying job. So she started driving for Uber. And then her father contracted COVID and died. And then her sisters contracted COVID and ended up in the hospital for about a month each. 
and then in therapy for months after. Now you tell me where the places of loss are in that story. It's all over her story. There's the loss of her father, yes, but there's the loss of a marriage and loss of a job and the, and the loss and, and the anticipation of possible loss with her sisters and loss of a support network in one place as she moves to another. And we don't have to rate the loss to determine that it's loss. We don't have to say, well, this loss is up here, but that one's only there, and that one's only there. Any loss can weigh on us. And there was a spectrum of loss in her story. And she's experiencing what psychologist Kenneth Doka calls disenfranchised loss. Because there's the kind of loss that everyone recognizes and understands and sympathizes with. And we may not be perfect, but we kind of know how to walk beside people in certain kinds of loss. But then there's all kinds of other loss that we go through that we don't always share, that we don't always talk about, that not as many people know. And it weighs us down and it wears us down, uh, wears us out, and, and we worry over it and we fuss over it, but it's the kind of thing that we're not sure how to share with others and others aren't always sure how to come alongside with us. It can be the loss of a job or it can be that the wedding we had planned for for a year gets drastically altered because of the pandemic or the 50th birthday celebration just gets shelved or canceled or a senior year of high school is nothing like you imagined it would be or the freshman year of college is not what that freshman year was supposed to be in your mind. It can be the miscarriage that we don't talk about or the struggle with infertility. It can be the loss and losing out on a promotion. It can be the loss of a pet. It can be those things that we can't put a finger on as to why we're struggling, but we just know we're struggling. Or the kind of thing when classes get back together and they're saying, what do we want to pray for? You don't want to mention because no one wants to mention after someone says, I'm really struggling after a loss of my parent, the next person doesn't want to be like, and my pet just died. But it's a real loss. It's a real struggle. And so sometimes we keep those things quiet because we don't want to say, well, I, I know it's, it's not on that level. I don't want to come across as if I'm going through something based on that. And so sometimes we stay silent and we suffer alone. We don't have to conclude that all loss is equal to admit that all loss is impactful. We don't have to conclude that all life, uh, all loss is equal to admit that all loss is impactful. It is human to grieve. All loss doesn't have to be the same for it to cause pain. And the good news we hear throughout 
Scripture is God sees and God knows and God cares about our pain. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. God heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. And it is healing to grieve. Don't deny or dismiss how you feel. Try to identify it. Name it. This is what I feel, and this is why. And share it with people that you trust, who care, and share it in prayer. And if you need, share it with a professional. There is no shame in that. And mark those feelings in meaningful ways. Part of the power of funerals and memorial service services is not that the grieving stops when they're over. It keeps on going. But it is a way that we acknowledge and, and we mark those moments. We name our grief and we honor our grief and loss and we recognize it and we legitimize it. And we have these beautiful rituals that surround it. And in fact, it is hurtful when we don't make room for ourselves or for others to grieve. Burying grief only means it's going to surface in unhealthy ways. You cannot get around grief. You have to go through it. You cannot get around grief when there is real loss, you have to go through it. But this is where the church gets to step up and be the church. You may remember when Paul talks about what it means to be the church, to be the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12. He says that we're the kind of people that do life together, that journey with others. And so what that means is we rejoice with those who rejoice. But it also means that we mourn with those who mourn. We can't take away their pain, but we can carry part of that with them and we can walk beside them. So here's my encouragement. Don't rush yourself through grief and don't rush other people through grief because it's going to take whatever time it takes. And it takes time and it's different for every person. And when you try to rush another person through their grief, your impatience usually says more about you than it does about them. And don't dismiss their grief. And again, a lot of people are coming from places of grief these days. So just because it's not something that's important to you doesn't mean it's not important. And it doesn't mean it's not a legitimate loss. And don't, diminish, uh, don't diminish your grief or the grief of another. It is not your job to tell someone that it's not as bad as they are feeling. And you don't have to tell yourself that. You feel what you feel, and that is when we start to heal. 
So I would encourage you not to start a lot of sentences around people who are grieving like this. Well, at least you can start there, just stop there too. Don't put a silver lining around their grief. Don't try to, try to turn that frown upside down. Let them be what they are and feel what they are and honor their grief. Recognize it and respect it and reflect it. I see you're hurting and I'm here for you. I love you and I'm praying for you. I hate what you're going through. I don't know what to say, but I want you to know I'm going to walk with you in every way I can. You don't have to solve their grief. They can't go around it. They've got to go through it. But you can walk with them as best you can. And when in doubt, you don't have to say anything. Just be present and be a source of love. And I want to end with this. I want you to remember that when it comes to going through grief, at some point down the road, you may find that God empowers you with love and empathy and compassion to turn your experience with grief and your places of pain into a way that you can help others. And you may also find that when you get to walk in compassion with another, it continues to heal you as well. So Paul has actually a big chapter about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 where he talks about the comfort of God, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our trials. But for Paul, you know, He's never the end of the line. What God is doing in and through him is something that God is then doing for others. And so he says that comfort that we've received from God, that God is able to then turn around so that we can be a source of comfort to you in your time of need, in your time of pain, in your time of of grief. I've read a beautiful story about this very thing. So these girls that you'll see on the screen behind me, Miley and Michaela Madsen, they decided to run a lemonade stand, one of those rites of passage for kids. But theirs wasn't just to make a little money on the side. They decided they were going to run a lemonade stand in honor of their sister who had died a year ago, waiting for a kidney and a heart transplant. And so they were going to do this, and they did this in her honor, and they did this to raise money for other families who were going through something similar. Now, I don't know how much money they received, but I've got a pretty good guess that those girls received something in the process, that that was a part of their healing journey, to turn their pain into something beautiful 
to turn that pain into places of compassion and care for others. And it may take you a while to, t- to get there. It may take you a long time to get there. Those of you who are in the throes of grief and pain, that's not to say this is another burden to put on you right now. It is just a reminder that for all of us, when we receive, at some point God will also open the door for us to give. And so my encouragement is twofold this morning. I don't know what you're going through. Not all of you. I know what some of you are going through. I know the grief that some of you bear. But I also know there's a good chance that some of you are carrying grief that you've not shared. Or in a way that you've not shared. And I would tell you that that can be good. That grief can be good, but you don't have to go through that alone. We can journey together. God is close to the brokenhearted. So whatever you're going through, I would encourage you, don't try to go around it. you got to go through it. Identify it. Name it. Face it. Confess it. But the second part is, for those of you who have been on the receiving end of God's comfort and God's comfort through others, When you see an opportunity, when you have a chance, extend that comfort that you've received and turn that into compassion for others because we have a world who is struggling with loss right now.